This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, the news around the NHL. On tonight's show, it's going to be an interesting one. The Red Wings and Blackhawks are officially out of the NHL playoffs, but you know what? The NHL playoffs are underway, and it's the funnest time of the year for hockey fans. You get to watch all these teams that have been working all year towards the school and kind of get to watch the most competitive hockey that you're going to get to watch. I am your host for tonight, Jordan Linscott, and my co-hosts, Tim Stampanato and David Barnhouse, will be joining me tonight. Unfortunately, Nick can't be here tonight, so it's going to be a three-man show. Um, It's going to be an interesting show. There's not a ton to talk about for the Red Wings, except for the fact that um, they made a coaching change, and it wasn't a small one. Jeff Blaschel is out of the head coaching position in Detroit. He's was argue, what was he, the second longest tenured coach in the NHL this year. Yeah, I mean, that says a lot about where that coaches are at in the NHL. <laughs> Seven years, and he was the second longest tenured NHL coach. But Steve Eisman decided he's making a change up this offseason, and I think it's something that we've got to talk about. It's arguably the biggest decision that a club can make, aside from the general manager position when it comes to what's going on with the franchise. And correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have been talking about this for a while now where at least during this year where you're saying, okay, we've been on the blast hill train. We've ridden the highs and lows. It's time. We need a new coach. So yeah, this is I exciting. I know Jordan, and I talked about it a little bit last season, but we weren't as you know deep in it. So like, yeah, we're still rebuilding, but with the strides we made this year, we feel like mm, we're starting to round that corner. And I know when Eiserman said in his press conference, you know, two to three years before we're really competitive, like, seeing ourselves in conference championships, things like that. Um, and Blashill's not the coach for that. So we need to start getting a coach in that can really start setting his, you know, standards and his goals in and pushing us to that point. And I don't think, you know, for the good that he did, Blashill, I'm not going to say anything bad about him saying he's a terrible co- coach I or a human being. He's an NHL caliber coach. He's a good frankly. coach. I hope he's going to land on his feet somewhere. I think he's going to do fine. Um, he you know, help develop some really young talent, but he is not the coach. And I'm sorry to say that to lead us to the promised land. I feel like that was like the big thing for me is I think a lot of wings fans were, it was one of those things where coming into the season, the wings had made upgrades and you kind of expected, okay, we've been in rebuild mode for, you know, the past five ish years or so. I don't think true rebuild mode until about the two or three year mark, but Jeff Blaschel finally got upgrades this season and Steve Eiserman in his press conference, you know, he, he's put it really well. This team fundamentally speaking, when they did and didn't have the puck did not improve this year. And I think that was the thing that I think at least for me was the big sign that, Hey, Jeff Blaschel's not the guy here who's going to get Detroit back into the playoffs Mm -hmm. and back into contention. Oh, of course. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get deeper into it in the show. Um, But yeah, Black's gone, Huda's gone, and... uh, Jeff Slyko's gone. Slyko's gone. So we, yeah, head coach, assistant coach, and goaltending coach. I forgot we were still in the intro. Uh, I I, I dove right into it. I was curious. Uh, (laughs) Oh, we'll get in. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll I'll save the rest of my thoughts for, for later on. Yeah, Jeff Flashell is officially out from the head coach position for the Detroit Red Wings. So that's a big piece of news. That's not something that happens every single day. Um, Jim, what is going on in Hawks for... world, though? Uh, honestly, we had a very similar, uh, we had a little bit of similar news to what you guys had this past week. Uh, again, Derek King is still technically the interim coach. He wrapped up the season. So that interim tag is up in the air now. He's now just another candidate to be the coach. Uh, but what we did see turnover wise is we let go Mark Crawford and Rob Cookson from the assistant coaching team. Uh, we did hold on to Jimmy Waite, who is of course a phenomenal goaltending coach. That makes sense. Uh, 
Rob Cookson, I'm not super surprised about. He, it, this was his only year of the contract. We just basically aren't renewing it. He came in to bring some stability. That, that's the long and the short of it. Mark Crawford, I'm a little surprised about. The notable thing is that he still had a year left on his contract. Uh, and he survived the Colleton firing. And he was arguably a, a very big, probably an equal voice in the locker room to, uh, to Derek King. He actually ran most of the practices was sort of that bad cop, that sterner, more serious approach to balance out King. I, again, we'll get into it when we actually break into things, but coaching turnover in Chicago. And then uh, we've got Colton Dock and Nolan Allen. Both of their seasons are up. Hawks prospects uh, that were in juniors. And then uh, they're in Rockford now. They signed a uh, you know, amateur tryout contract to get with Rockford for the playoff run. That's very, very exciting. Uh, even if they don't play in any games, they'll be able to be around their contemporaries and learning on the job. So that's going to be huge. One final piece of Hawks news, Jeff Greenberg. We uh, signed Jeff Greenberg from the Cubs. He was an assistant GM for, uh, for the Cubs, as I said. And now he's going to be an assistant GM for the Hawks. Uh, he's going to be in charge of building their data and analytics, sort of revamping uh, our data, the way that we track prospects, the way that we track potential players. Uh, he's going to be driving that analytic front, which I'm very, very excited about. Yeah. So what you're telling me is the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be the Oakland A's next year, and they're going to be the like the uh, the money ball money team. Money hundred percent. <laughs> that that's what I'm hearing now. Uh, and I'm uh, I think we're going to the playoffs next year. <laughs> money puck, bring in Brad Pitt. <laughs> I'd watch that. So I want to start off with the wing side of this podcast first. Um, Jeff Blaschel is gone from the head coaching position in Detroit. Like we said, he was the second longest tenured NHL coach in the NHL. A lot of Wings fans, I don't think were fair to him, given the fact that the team was entering rebuild mode. And I was fine with him in the rebuild years of this club. Like, I can't blame a guy for not taking a very subpar roster and not pushing it to the playoffs. Like, I always tell people, keep your expectations realistic. You won't be disappointed. But like I also said, I thought this year that the Red Wings made upgrades in the offseason. Like they had Nemesikov, they had Letty, they had uh, Alex Nadeljevic. Yeah, Jacob Verano was out for the year, but I don't think him being out for the whole year was what broke the Red Wings season. And just fundamentally, the team just seemed to keep sliding into these slumps that me and David were talking about. Like, yeah. You would get these four or five game stretches where the team's getting scored on five goals against six goals against and keep going up, keep going up like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 goals. Like it was yeah, bad. There's been some really we, bad games. I think to jump in real quick, cause we're talking about like getting goal scored. I think the final nail for Iserman and we saw it like with his expressions, you could see him like in that one game, I think it was against Arizona where he was sitting up in the stands, just looking down, just looking pissed when we lost nine to two, like, we lost nine to two to Arizona, a team that, you know, doesn't even have an arena for next year. That said, again, I don't think that this roster, I, I do think that with Vrana out this year, you relied a lot on that top line, which Zadina wasn't even often in the top six. He was up and down. That's a blast show thing. That's an issue I have with him. But a lot of your offense, you were relying on a rookie who spent that, that that's his longest season he's ever played in. Raymond just came out and said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not playing at the worlds and stuff like that. Cause his agent basically said, this is the longest and most intense season he's ever played. And he's exhausted. Like, oh, yeah. I think you put a lot of faith in that. That's what drove your scoring a lot of times. And likewise cider was your defense mm -hmm. you, cider and Letty were the only defensemen in my mind, looking back at it that like, I don't know. I don't think that you can really make the playoffs with a roster of a lot of middle six to bottom six guys, mm -hmm. inexperienced guys, and then a rough 
defensive yeah. core. Which is why I think in Eisenman's press conference today, he was honest and he said, you know, with how things are. And I think Jordan said, like, on and off the puck, we've regressed a bit. Um, but also, there's not a lot of great free agents to really push us to that end goal yet. And with that, you know, we're two to three years away. And I think he realizes and he sees like Lashell's done what he can. He's reached his peak with us and it's only going to go down with us. So it's time for a change to get that coach that will instill the standards that he wants to set, the goals he wants to set to push us to the future. You got to remember, Lashell's not an Iserman guy. Like Iserman Iserman brought in people that he wanted when he took the job for his assistant GM, like, yeah, he kept a lot of like the hometown guys like drapes and people like that, because he knows them. He worked. Yeah, with it's them. Not like, like, yeah. Like Draper, I think worked under him when he was still here with us before he left the Tampa, if I recall, um, or started to kind of learn under him a bit, but like he knows what he wants. And Blash is not a, not an Iserman guy. It's not who he wants. He was good for what he needed to be. And now we need to move forward. One other thing I think is kind of important to note here is when Detroit names whoever's going to be their new head coach, they're going to get to walk in with a completely different slate of expectations on them than Jeff Blaschel had. I do think there are going to be expectations there to get this team winning a little bit more, but I don't think that there's going to be this weight and judgment of, we've missed the past six years of playoffs. Why aren't we there yet? Or why aren't we seeing progress? Right. Yeah. This new coach gonna is going to have a buffer period. Yeah. It's not going to be make the playoffs this year. Like Eisenman just said today, it's going to be two to yeah. three years before we're a real competitive threat again. And I think that makes just knowing the rookies that you're getting in, like having Edvinson come in next year, uh, you realistically got that, two to three more years of filling out a couple of spaces, somebody assuming that second line center duty, uh, Nadaljevic taking that step forward that he needs to, the pieces are potentially there. You need those next two to three years to get everything ready. Yeah. And as we've talked about on this show, this year's free agency class is pretty meh. Yeah. I don't think I, and we have, big cap space this year. We'll probably have bigger cap space next year. What Eiserman might do is he might lock down a couple of those players that we know are we're keeping around like a Verano, like maybe a Bertuzzi, maybe Bertuzzi is going to stay who knows. Um, but I think the following season, we're going to see some better free agencies, free agents pop up. And I think with the new coach with one year under his belt instilling his, you know, mentality, his goal system and yeah. getting a system set in place then we're going to really start splashing that cash. I think that's something I didn't realize until watching the change from Quinville to Colleton to King, how much time it takes to actually implement a system. It just wasn't something that I ever really had that concept of. And Mm -hmm. seeing it now, it's like, oh, you really need like a full season, full off season training camp. Like there's, getting a system in place so that it becomes muscle memory and you're not thinking about it, that in itself, it takes a year to instill and is worth the wait. It's yeah. It's weird. Cause we went from like Bowman for most of my childhood. And then I don't think, was there anyone between Bowman and Babcock or was it Babcock? No, I'm pretty sure straight to Babcock. That's all yeah. I can think and then, of. And then we had Babcock for, a good portion of my life as well. And then we went to Blashell and yeah, that's when I first really noticed like, Oh wow. Yeah. Things are different now. Exactly. I, I, again, going from Savard and whatnot to Quinville, the Hawks didn't really have a system in like when I was growing up and whatnot, it was just sort of play hockey and do your best. But uh, yeah. So Jordan, we know Iserman. Well, not know him, but he's our captain. Stevie, the guy. Stevie Y, the captain. He already has a short list. Like, you know it already. He's already probably, like, reached out to a few feelers. Jordan, who do you think is on his short list? I'm so curious. All right, so. Or who's on your short list that you would want to be on? All right, Eisenman. if I'm in Steve Eisenman's position, I'm immediately calling Roger Ronberg from Forlanda. I'm immediately calling Cam Abbott from Rogel BK. And I'm immediately calling Sergey Fedorov 
from over uh was it ckSA Moscow sneak yeah. him out of the country again and so the reason being is this for Olanda Roger Romberg has continually and I mean continually put out fantastic NHL superstars from that club Gabriel Landeskog is a superstar Lucas Raymond has all the makings of a superstar Rasmus Dahlin even though he's playing on the Buffalo Sabres looks like if he had a better team would be a superstar right that club has been putting out great NHL talent for years now and I think he's a huge part of it Cam Abbott from Rogel BK, him and his brother completely turned that team around. They were, I think, like one year away from getting relegated, and now they're one of the best teams in the SHL. I don't think that's an accident. No, not at all. Um, it's it's really funny because that's our li- my list as well. Um, I done like when we brought those names up in our text thread, I kept like researching. I'm like, Oh yeah, these guys are the coaches. We coach some of our players. Um, Fedorov for me, you guys know this. The only Red Wings Jersey I own is a Sergei Fedorov Jersey that I bought as a child for sure. in, an, in an adult size, because I knew I'd love him forever. I love that. Both sides when he left, you know, did each other a bit dirty. He left on pretty mm, terms and you know, he's one person who I feel like his number needs to be up in those rafters for us. Um, so my, my dream scenario, if we get Fedorov this. is opening night, the forward, the puck drops, we see 91 go up into the rafters and he coaches us to a Stanley cup championship. Not, you know, his first season, like we said, buffers, but you know, Fedorov, you know, the guy that helped us win, you know, that won three Stanley cups with us coaches to his first Stanley cup with us listen there's a movie in the making with that i love it uh i do want to point out to you guys it's not so long ago that a a young up-and-coming coach that was playing in the swedish league uh jeremy colleton was (laughs) rising in the ranks he was a a wonder kid coach he was flipping you know second league relegated teams up to the first league comes to the AHL. He's doing great things there. It sounds like Glass Show all over again. Colleton fan. I, I just get worried about bringing somebody in from a non North American league, like somebody who hasn't been in the A for a bit or wasn't an assistant yeah. coach in, this, in the NHL, just because it's a different game, a different style of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I will say, I think the SHL has come a long way we, we've talked about this it's one of the best leagues in the world we said it's the third under the khl which yeah, is and why even then i would argue that it sort of fluctuates back and forth depending on what you're looking at all right mr mr outside perspective you're not a red wings fan no who's on your short list honestly i fedorov was definitely on my list uh just because i think it's a great story and i i don't think he's got coaching experience it's not like plucking in I know for the Hawks, people have been talking about make Marion Hosa the coach. And it's like, he has never coached before, at least at, in a professional level. Let's give him a couple of years as an assistant. Uh, Fedorov has that experience. Like it would not be crazy to bring him in. This at, was his first year at Mos- CKSA Moscow, wasn't it? I think. Um, I want to say so, yes. Yeah. But he still coached other professional teams before this. Right. Mm-hmm. It, he's This wasn't his first like foray into coaching. Uh, that said, I think David Quinn is a legitimate option. I, I like Quinn. Uh, I know that he sort of wore out his welcome and wore out his message, but like that happens with every coach. Uh, I think that you've got the pieces. He sort of reminds me of my, of his time with the Rangers. Uh, I think you've got the young pieces that he could, he's got a good combination of like, he's a teaching coach, but he also drives and knows how, like, I like that. I like that balance. He's not just development. Uh, there's talk. Bruce Boudreaux is going to be up contract wise in Vancouver. Again, you guys have done such a good job of bringing up the like outside the box, not the old boys club. I love that. But I also know the NHL. And the only person I think who's going to flip the script on that is Stevie Y, but Bruce Boudreaux had a hell of a year taking a depressing underperforming Vancouver team full of young guys that 
had lost their confidence, weren't playing to the way that their caliber could be. And he saved that season. Mm-hmm. I don't hate Bruce Boudreaux for where you're at with the Red Wings. What if you make him assistant coach under one of these young guys to help I, you know groom him and the team? Honestly, I think that's the future of where the NHL is at. Having these old guard guys who have been consistent. Bruce Boudreaux has a fantastic record. Him, the Claude Julians, uh, the Ken Hitchcocks, like all those old, like the coaches from the last 10, 15 years, have them be the assistants now, that voice on the side, that guiding voice for the new crop, because we need new coaches. We can't just keep cycling the same coaches. It's driving all of us crazy. Like Tortorella. Uh, Tortorella needs to, I don't want him as an assistant coach. I don't, I don't want him back in hockey. He's not good for the game anymore. Uh, you guys it, remember when the Columbus Blue Jackets had him be the coach and the team completely imploded in on each other? <laughs> uh, Patrick Laine was a shell of himself. The man looked like he hated being on the ice, and now he's having fun again. I don't want any team with any player who's exciting under the age of 26 to be around torts. Uh, now, I do want to suggest one thing. John Cooper. Maybe you think, you think Stevie Y could uh, steal him from Tampa. If that happened. Oh my God. He's tired of playing on easy mode and it's time to switch over for a challenge. Question is like, how much longer is his contract? Cause we'd have to probably pay off his contract or something. I'm sure. Let's see. Coops. I feel like Cooper though, is one of those guys who like he's been there for so long and he's waited for the success. And now that he's got the success, he's got no reason to leave. So he oh, signed God, a three-year no. extension last year. So his yeah, extension goes to 24 to 25. And he has the chance to three-peat this year. So he's probably not even thinking about anything but that right now. Why would you leave? There's no – I know I'm the one that suggested it, but why would you ever leave until things start? Unless Stevie Y was able to sell him on something, but he's the only one. Get out what? of Florida. It's a trash state. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Dave. You mentioned the Tampa Bay Lightning have a chance to three-peat right now. The Maple Leafs are currently up 2 nothing on them in their game right now. <laughs> oh, because the Leafs have never blown a lead before. That's valid. Boston is a good example. It's, yeah, I'll, I'll believe that the Leafs actually not only win a game, but then move on to the next round when I see it. They, they have a okay. gift for choking. So... When do you think we get our new coach hired? When is the hiring going to be? I'd imagine it's got to be sometime within the next month or so. Like, I don't think that Eisenman's going to try to take anybody from a team that's a playoff caliber or that's playing in the playoffs right now. And I'd imagine he wants to get that guy sooner rather than later. That way, him and that person have more time to talk and prep about what the plan is for the season. Because the longer he waits, the longer that guy's got to wait to start getting familiar with our prospects, the players on our club, figuring out what he can actually do with the projected roster he's going to have. Yep. And the craziest part is like with Eisenman, like nothing gets out. Like no. it is, it is so locked Yeah. Down you could have him. a coach by the draft. Who knows? With Eisenman. Yeah. <laughs> he might have even talked to like three people. We don't even know. I mean, did you hear his answer to Helene? I think it was Helene St. James today. She was like, yeah, she was like, Steve, how far are we into the rebuild? And she says, well, we just finished year three. We're going into year four. It's beautiful. That said, some of his answers were so great. I guess just to me as an outsider, Iserman does not make decisions or moves without a plan. He's not just going to fire Blaschel because it's time. And then he's like you said, David, he's already got a short list. I, I, I oh, would not be surprised if he has not already reached out, communicated like that it's already underway because he's just so methodical mm-hmm. in the way that he works. I think he's already got things lined up and it's just a matter of now rolling it out and implementing it. Yep. Um, that's i think the only piece of wings news this week and like i said it's a big one though because (laughs) it's gonna change the whole direction of this team for the next several years kind of a big deal yeah Um, must be nice to have direction (laughs) that said we kind of have direction now we davidson is doing a phenomenal job with 
setting some foundation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like walk us through what happened with you guys this week, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I guess first and foremost, the first thing that we heard, I'll go in order of like when they were announced, uh, the Hawks officially announced that we have hired Jeff Greenberg away from the Cubs to be our assistant general manager under Kyle Davidson. Uh, he was, for those of you that remember during the actual GM search a couple months back, Greenberg was one of the names that was interviewed by the committee to potentially be the general manager of the Hawks. At the Mm -hmm. time, there was a lot of people that was very, there was some hesitation there because, okay, I know we want to go a new route. We want to reimagine the way that we look at, you know, the management structure, but this is a, this is a baseball guy. Like this is, this is way outside a box. This is exactly where we want to be right now with him as an assistant GM and not necessarily as the GM. This is a chance. Davidson talked about how excited he is for Jeff Greenberg to bring in what he was doing with the Cubs, redeveloping and revamping our data, like our analytics, our tracking. Uh, And this is going to go into revamping scouting, revamping uh, just prospect tracking, uh, in-season player tracking. Everything is so behind compared to other sports. Hockey is still years behind and we talked about this with the Radke brothers when they were on on here that we're playing catch up to the other sports in regards to data and analytics Greenberg is bringing where they're at miles ahead in baseball and he's going to be bringing that to the Hawks and I'm very very excited with what that means for our scouting department I kind of want to ask you guys this I mean it's we talked about it a little bit before the show but I mean, Tim, you were saying this, and I actually agree. There are a lot of clubs in the NHL who have a lot of money to spend. Yep. And as much as, you know, stuff like the ship, like the chip shortages are going on right now, those clubs very much can afford the tracking technology and like the pucks and the jerseys 100%. and stuff like that. Comparative to those teams' overall budgets, it's a fraction of a fraction of a percent for those. I, mm-hmm. To me, in, in a hard cap league where we are all about, we can only spend, and, and I love the fact that the cap protects small market teams that just don't have the funds. But if you're a creative team, you can find that edge. If you've got money to spend, even if you're at the cap and you can't get another player, investing in the data, investing in the tracking, the analytics, going beyond what the eye can see and being able to actually break down what makes, you know, and again, I am the king of intangibles. I'm the king of the eye test and what they bring. You know, it might not show all the time, but there's still so much the data and analytics provide when you can blend the two together. And a team like the Hawks that has the money to spend, not only doing that, like you said, the chip tracking and being able to provide the analytics for like what our players are doing on the ice, but being able to take that and use that to identify characteristics that'll translate in prospects and scouting people that you could potentially be wanting to trade for being able to identify those things while other teams are still just using the eye test. Yeah, this is the future. This is where we have to go. And this is going to streamline their scouting process. This is going to save time reports. Uh, I, again, I'm ready for this to blow up in my face, but uh, I think this is a huge deal. And this is the first step. Uh, the Hawks got some, you know, they caught some flack for saying we want to revamp, you know, and shake up the management team. And they went with Davidson, who'd been with the organization for a while. Norm MacGyver's back. That's an old face. Uh, they've got Hosa coming in as some sort of job within the organization. Brian Campbell. This is it. This is the new face. This is the shakeup. And I think it's going to be big. And the thing is like, it has potential to be big. It's, it's this thing. If you have younger guys who are used to seeing analytics when evaluating other like sports and they see, you know, how having that information and making decisions does give you an advantage. And like you said, in a world where the cap exists, you can spend your dollars on more than just 
actual players on yep. the ice. You can like your coach doesn't go against your cap as far as I'm aware. No. Your uh, scouting, scouting departments department, out yep. like they don't go against your cap. Stuff like your analytics department does not go does not go against your cap. Your your development team, uh, your player personnel, uh, how you're developing people at the AHL or your signed prospects that are in. Brian Campbell, uh, a couple years back, I think might have been just last year, the year before, was spending time with Boquist when he was in juniors after he had signed a contract with them. Like it's laying the ground. There are so many other ways to invest your money to pay dividends in the future when it comes to development and creating that product and growing these guys. It It's so weird to me that we fixate on the cap when that's really, it's too late at that point. That That's the culmination. That's the end result. But uh, yeah, Greenberg is really exciting. But on that same vein with the management shakeup, uh, we now have, so the season is done. Derek King, who was the interim coach after Jeremy Colleton was fired is now in sort of a limbo. He hasn't been given the official title of coach. He's now out of the season. Now he's just a coaching candidate. That said, Mark Crawford and Rob Cookson are out as assistant coaches. I think I said before the podcast, I'm not, or even at the start of this, I'm not blown away that Rob Cookson's out. His contract was up. We're just not renewing it. He was Mm -hmm. purely in to stabilize a very unstable team. Uh, But Mark Crawford is a little shocking to me. He was the veteran presence on the coaching staff. He was the voice in the room that laid down the law and was a little more of that old school structure when Derek King was a little more loosey-goosey and fun. They had a good cop, bad cop scenario going, and it was almost like Mark Crawford was more of an associate or just a step below head coach. The the dynamic was more equal. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's out. I'm guessing that this just means whoever is given the coaching, the full time, you're the coach, hire your people. He doesn't have to clean house then, but it does say that they didn't give him the option. Like that's interesting, right? He had a year left on his contract. I've got to imagine though, it's got to be somewhat similar to what the wings have going on though, where if you're going to get a head coach, like you said, you, if you really want the head coach to do their thing, you've got to let them have the staff that they want. You can't just say you're in charge, but here's our leftovers from before. Make it work. I 100% agree with you. I, I do just think that it's interesting having a guy like Mark Crawford and not giving the next head coach the option of, you know what? You'd be a good, you'd have a lot of insight. You've been around. Like, let's hear what you have to say about the team, about your thoughts, where we're at. I feel like traditionally that's what happens. Like head coach gets let go. We are hiring a new coach. That coach will either ride out for a little bit and then let go of their people and get their people. Or they'll say, I want to keep this person. The other two can go and they bring in their own, like taking away the ability to keep Crawford. To me, it feels like they're cutting their losses and moving on as an organization while also giving them that does that make sense kind of yeah i don't don't know it 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 felt like a deliberate management choice to say we're done with mark crawford not necessarily we're clearing space for the next coach to bring in their people but i might be reading too much into it i do that sometimes so i mean Obviously, like if Crawford's gone, you've got to assume the head coach is going to get to make their own pick, right? Like has to. I mean, absolutely has to. That what good is bringing in a new head coach if they're not going to surround themselves with like the people they want in there? Now, granted, the Hawks haven't officially announced that they're getting a new head coach this off season. I, I'll be honest, I don't think that King is the guy. (laughs) But you're also in a rebuild, so it's not like you're going to bring in a game changing coach either. I'm really torn because I don't necessarily see a reason to not give it to King for the next year or two, frankly, because David, like you said, we're shit. We could get Blashell. 
I mean, honestly, wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> it, it would be buck wild for me to have to talk about Blasho every week, frankly. Uh, Welcome to the blender. Yeah, exactly. I don't care for that. I've, I've been to, Q had a blender and I was pissed at that. And he was genius. Uh, but realistically, we're in a rebuild. There is no reason to bring in, Gerard, you know, Greg Gallant or a Bruce Boudreau or someone like that we should be swinging for the fences, get somebody who's got a fresh mind. Uh, some of the, you know, but then again, we brought in a Jeremy Carlton who had a fresh mind, but he wasn't ready. There, there has to be that fine line between someone that's seasoned enough to be able to step into a rebuild and say, okay, let's assess damage. Let's make this at least a competitive team on the ice. Even if we're not going to win, even mm-hmm. if we're going to be bottom five teams, we at least need to be making those small victories and that tangible progress. You need somebody who has that mindset and background. Derek King isn't not that. I I mean, he's not going to take us to a Stanley cup, but we're not getting there anyway <laughs> right now. Scotty Bowman in his prime couldn't take us to a Stanley cup right now. So I like King's atmosphere. I, I like what he brings to the table of keeping things loose and light maybe give him time to implement a system. I can't think of anyone right now, realistically, unless I went with, you know, one of the SHL coaches or, you know, somebody outside the box that's ready to try and shake things up. I don't see anyone better than King right now, given the team that we have. It's a hard one. It's a hard one for you guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a rough couple of years. Uh, That said, King does do a good job of making it a little more bearable for everybody. I think he's with the organization one way or the other. Uh, he's He just seems like the kind of guy, even in his interviews and whatnot, where he's talked about like, I could have been an AHL coach for the rest of my life. Would have been cool with that. I could be an assistant coach. That'd be rad. I like, I've learned an incredible amount this year. If I'm not the head coach next year, no hard feelings. I get it. I'd like to still be around. I think he has a cool guy. I have he has no ego, which is super cool. I, I could see him being an assistant coach, frankly. He's like the exact opposite of a Mike Babcock. A hundred percent or a torts or something. He is the complete antithesis. Uh and he's a guy that was a proven goal scorer and like a really talented hockey player. Like He's that perfect combination of like, he is a coach. He's a player's coach. Mm-hmm. He just might not be. He's a Lovey Smith. You know, just a player's coach. I, I'm good with that. Like, Lovey wasn't bad for us. He wasn't great yeah. at U of I, but like, yeah, he's been great Bowl. at U of I. <laughs> uh, no, it, the coaching is going to be really interesting. I can't imagine, Jordan, to your point, I, I can't imagine that we don't have an official head coach uh by the start of the season i I feel like that would be the worst thing we could do aside from that tim what else is going on though the only big note honestly uh was that colton doc and nolan allen each finished their seasons i think they're both in the whl nolan allen's with the prince albert raiders colton doc is with the i'm gonna butcher that the kenosha rockets Mm -hmm. i think that that's correct uh and their seasons both ended. They were in the playoffs, though they didn't make it on. And what's cool is, even though they're in the in juniors and can't, you know, jump back and forth, now that the season is done, they signed an amateur tryout contract. And so they're hanging out in Rockford now, uh, which is great because we've had a couple of injuries. Uh, Ian Mitchell, I think they're shooting for him to be in the first game of the playoffs, but he was out for a couple of days. Like... Mm-hmm. Alex Regula is down there now. It was interesting to note that Alex Vlasic didn't go down to Rockford and it doesn't sound like they have any intention of him going down to Rockford. So I think that having Colton Doc that could potentially boost their top nine and Nolan Allen, who was our first round pick and get into a game, even if they don't get into any games, they're going to be chilling at the AHL level, learning, developing, getting in on practices and training. Uh, I don't know. Rockford's in the playoffs. Like that's super exciting. We haven't had a lot to talk about with Hawks prospects the last couple of years. Cause they've been kind of dismal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, there's a lot to be excited about here with Nolan Allen, who I think Nick and I were pretty hard on 
that pick uh, just because you can typically get a shutdown defenseman pretty late in the draft. You don't grab him 32nd overall. Uh, it's good to see him make this jump right now. I'm curious to see, you know, in the coming weeks, how that goes. Yeah. Um, I think that's everything that we have for the wings and the Hawks. Um, like I said, it, it, there's not a ton going on because the wings and the Hawks aren't in the playoffs right now. Nope. Um, let's all go ahead and mind. talk about the playoffs boys, because <laughs> I think all of us are surprised by some of the teams that are here. Yep. I'm not. <laughs> I've, so we all made our brackets. Yeah. And uh, I thought, you know, let's just do the first round, what we picked and how many games. We don't really need to go into too much detail, but I think it'd be fun to kind of see where we are by the end of the week. Let's see. I think last year I did not hit on a single prediction. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to do my best to not have that be a thing this year. So how do we want to do this? Do we want to like take it a, a series at a time? Yeah, we'll and just like, like we'll work from the left and then or okay, we'll start on the west and we'll just go through the eastern matchups after okay. that. So somebody Jordan, go first wanna... because I'm going to get lost. And then All we right. got to find Nick's picks too. I already got Nick's picks. Okay. Nick's All picks. Right. <laughs> Nick's picks. Nick's picks. So uh, the first series, um, the Colorado Avalanche versus the Nashville Predators. I think it's Colorado in five. There's if too anyone, much firepower. If anyone says the, the Predators, they're wrong. This is so actually, story. I no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I picked Colorado also in five. Yep, I got Colorado in five. Juicy Soros is out to start the playoffs. Oh. <laughs> Him and Roman Yossi are the only people that keep that team alive. Yeah, no. Abs in five. Uh, Nick agreed. At, he didn't do a five, though. He said in six. He gave Nashville two games. You know what? That, I think that's what Juicy Soros, though. I, I think with this news, got to drop to five. But Okay. Mm-hmm. Next series? Uh, uh, next series is the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. Um, I got Minnesota in six. I think so, they've been pretty decent this year. So... Uh, I got to go with my boy Jake's team. I told him I'd pick them for you know at least one series. So I picked Minnesota in seven. I think it's going to be a fun series to watch. And I think it's going to go the full seven games. Uh, I hate the Blues with a burning passion. And I need Minnesota to make it to the conference finals. So we get a first round pick. So I'm going Minnesota in six. Uh, Nick said Minnesota, or yeah, Minnesota in seven. So I was say he's definitely going to be pulling for Minnesota for the same reasons I. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody here agrees Minnesota should be going to the second round. Yep. Uh, third matchup: the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars. Um, I think I know who Tim picked, and it's <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I love Dallas historically. Love it. So, I, I think I was the only one out of our group to pick this. Uh, d- I got to, th- I think it's Dallas and six. I think that Calgary is, is going to flop. Like there's that always is... one round of the playoffs where you look at it and you go, how did that happen? You're right. I, uh, I, I picked Calgary in six. I picked Calgary in five. There is no way I can't, I'm going to eat my words, but there is no way that Dallas is not a good team. No. Uh, let's see. Edmonton and Los Angeles. Or Wait, what, uh, Nick we, said we Flames get... in five, yeah. Yeah. Five. Yeah, Flames in five is... So I'm sure I'm going to be... Uh, I'm, I'll probably be wrong on that one, but I just... I had to pick one that was going right. to be a There's huge upset. One, nobody expected Columbus to sweep Tampa a couple of years oh, back. That was like, fun. hope that happens to them in the next two years because we have first-round <laughs> picks for them. So, uh... Got to so, pump yeah. up those asset values. Yeah, I'll take whatever we can get. Edmonton um, Kings. Yeah, Edmonton, uh, uh, the Edmonton Oilers playing the LA Kings. Um, I got Edmonton in six. I think McDavid and Drysaddle might finally turn it on. I think the Edmonton Oilers finally do something, and I think they win it in six as well. I've got the Kings in seven. I uh, I think Johnny Quick has been putting on a clinic. Uh, Quick's so good. Quick, and, and this isn't the first time he's faced Mike Smith in the playoffs. Like, he squared them down and he beat Mike Smith when he was with the coyotes to move on with the Kings. Uh, I don't know. We're seeing a resurgence. We're seeing Dustin Brown retiring at the end of this year. That's going to be a hell of a storyline to follow. I don't know. I am hyped with where the Kings are at. Okay. Uh, Nick agreed with the, uh, the Kings in seven. 
Wow. That makes sense. Okay. okay. So we're actually split. Me and David agree on Edmonton and you guys agree on LA. I love it. Can't wait. That said, I think that's not surprising given how much Kings hockey Nick and I watched during the dynasty years with the Hawks. They were always like our nemesis. Uh, and I, I begrudgingly respect the hell out of that team. So like, that's not surprising to me. All right. Flipping over to the East, right? Yep. Now we're going to flip over to East to the real <laughs> competitive teams. Yes. That's actually pretty true. Uh <laughs> Uh, the first uh, series is going to be the Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals. I got Florida in five. Just they're yeah. arguably one of the deepest teams in the NHL. Yeah. So my father-in-law, you know, we live in the D.C. area. Like, oh, you're going to root for the Caps? And I go, you know what? I'll give the Caps one game. Florida in five. That's mighty kind of you. I figured you were saying sweep. Uh, I almost did, but he was like, you're going to root for them, right? I'm like, no, but I'll give them a game. Yeah, I'll, I'll at least hope they don't get slaughtered. Uh, I've got Florida in six. You can't count out Ovechkin. No. Uh, Nick's got Florida in six as well. Everyone here agrees the Florida Panthers should be beating the Capitals. Again, I'm spoiled. I I, I know what all of our brackets look like. So, like, I kind of knew we were all going Florida. (laughs) Florida. Yeah. All right. Um, This is going to be such an interesting series. The the next matchup, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um. I got Toronto in seven. I think this is finally the year that they push through. God bless. I was, I was on the fence of this one, but I went with Tampa in six. You know, I was like, ooh, three beat maybe? Let's go Tampa in six. I went Tampa seven. I I think that uh I think that the Leafs are gonna put up a fight, they're gonna take it to seven, and then they're gonna get crushed. Mm-hmm. Nick said lightning in seven. So this looks like everyone's agreeing this is going to be a long series. Nick and I yeah. are on a similar plane. This I, I love it. Um, next or yeah, the third series in the East is the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. Um, Carolina and five. I hate I hate Boston, so I'm going Carolina and six. I I think Charlie McAvoy has legitimately put on like he's been a phenomenal defenseman this year. I still got to go Carolina in six because I just think that they're the more complete team. Nick let us all down though. He's saying the Bruins in six. Of course what he a, is. What a putz. Yeah. He Classic. couldn't face us tonight. That's why he, he saw the brackets and he's Cowardice. like, Ooh, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> then rattlesnakes bit him in the eyes and he can't see now. So. You hate to see it. Hate to see. Well, he didn't see it. Well, he, he never might never. <laughs> Uh, and then the final series in the East is going to be the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Rangers in six for me. So I, I have, yeah, I have a lot of really, really great friends that are diehard Penguins fans, but the Rangers have had their number this year. Rangers in six. Rangers in six, which is no surprise to me. I'm a, you know, love them, but like, yeah, Rangers in six. Uh, Nick said Rangers and six. Everyone on the podcast agrees. Thanks. Rangers so and six. So there's no way that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Penguins and three. How? Rangers just gave up. They just quit. You know. So if the Penguins win more than two games, yeah, well, if they win more than two games in that series, all of our brackets are wrong. Phenomenal. But those are the all the first round matchups. Um, the playoffs are starting tonight, obviously, and they're going right now. So. These mm-hmm. brackets will all probably be wrong within a week. Oh God, yeah. I like it better than March Madness brackets because I still like feel confident I can do something at least. Right. I, I know enough to like have an educated guess at least on all these. Ooh, Montreal not Montreal, they're dead and buried. Uh the Maple Leaves are up three zero now. Yeah, I saw that. And Carolina's was winning two nothing last time I checked. Now it's three to one. Nope, Maple Leaves up four zero. Oh dear. I might have spoke to well, we got no. blues. We got blues wild in 10 minutes. Like, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> like my you said, going, though, it's the Maple Leafs had, choked uh, on the Bruins a couple of years ago. I, yeah. I, I, they do a historically wonderful job of giving their fans hope before crushing it. Speaking <laughs> of um, Minnesota, my buddy Jake's at tonight's game and Wednesday's game. That's so, sick. That's yeah, going to be such he, an electric series. He and his buddy bought tickets for game one tonight. And then I guess his dad got tickets through work for Wednesday. He's like, hey, what are you doing Wednesday? He's like, why? 
that's gonna be like I'm like I'm so envious. I've always wanted to go to a playoff hockey game. I mean, you could do it this year. Washington's there. Just I don't like Washington. Their fans, their fans annoy me. Just they uh, think they're the greatest thing ever, and they've only won one cup, and they just, thought that before they won the cup. Just overnight yourself a Florida Panthers shirt, not even like a jersey or something, just a shirt. I'll get like a I – mean, Carolina's logo is pretty baller, I guess. What you got to do, David, is you got to get like a cheap Anthony Mantha jersey, and you wear that to the game, and just thank all the Caps fans around you. Say, no. we appreciated it. Or Nick Jensen. Or yeah, Nick, Nick Jensen would be a good one, but I think the Mantha trade was definitely the bigger win. Thank you for giving us Verona. Yeah, Thank get wear you. a Detroit Verona jersey. <laughs> oh my god. That actually be really funny. Uh yeah. I mean, it's playoff <laughs> hockey. It's a blast. Get out and, there and watch it, everybody. It's the best, in my opinion, the best playoffs in all of sports. And, and frankly, the AHL playoffs are about to kick off. If you can't see an NHL playoff game. AHL hockey games are so much fun in the regular season to begin with. Like mm-hmm. get yourself a ticket. They're super cheap. The, like wolves tickets are dumb cheap right now. Uh, go and get yourself a ticket to an AHL playoff game. Cause that's going to be a blast. Even the ECHL tickets are cheap. Like you can get I mean, those for like 10 or $15. Yeah. Are the Griffins in the AHL playoffs this year? No, they no. missed. Gosh, darn it. Griffins. Yeah. They, they look, I got, rough so my buddy is a huge dinosaur slash jurassic park fan did not realize that like was it their last year or the year before the griffins made a jurassic park themed jersey Mm -hmm, which has like the bird on it yeah and him and i just realized this like we were searching stuff the other day and i'm like oh my god he's like i would i would like let someone punch me in the stomach a hundred times for that jersey i'm like geez that might kill you he's like but i get the jersey be buried in it right but yeah i think that's it for our show and like i said uh, um, kind of a short one this week just given there's not a ton of wings and hawks news and it's the playoffs but it is big news big news blashill you know our entire management yeah thank you for what you did i hope you you know find what you're looking for good luck to you this is the weirdest breakup text i've ever read (laughs) Don't, here's, I'm going to mail him a blender. What's I'm going to do? He's going to mail him a blender. Thank That's you. Wild. And not a put Vitamix. Some, oh. Put some paper mache hearts in there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to be it for our show tonight. Um, as oh, always, we appreciate you guys tuning in and watching and listening to the show. Um, at the end of the day, it's a podcast. It's by fans for fans. There's no corporate sponsorship or anything like that. So we get to say it and you know talk about whatever we want on the show. If you liked what you heard and listened to, feel free to give us a like, follow, share, whatever the social media currency is on the platform you found us. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're on Twitter. You can email us even if you want. Um, Stickblakepodcast at gmail.com. Whatever method you like to get your podcast fixed from, we're probably on there. So feel free to give us that feedback, that mm-hmm. like currency. It really helps the show grow. Um, but again, for your host tonight, Jordan Linscott, and for my co-hosts, David Barnhouse and Tim Snapanato, this has been another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. We will catch you guys back all here next time. And in the meantime, enjoy some playoff hockey. It is arguably the best time of the hockey season for anybody. We'll catch you guys back here next time. Take care. Bring Federov home. Again.